0: It's always good to hear from our local Gideon camp. Uh, the Gideons are not uh, uh, strangers to us. The work is very familiar to us simply because uh, we've been on board with the Memorial Bible Plan for uh, decades here at the church, and it's always appreciated by families. But their representatives are not strangers to us either. I don't know how many people are in the Magnolia Columbia County camp. There's a bunch of you because I'm always running into a Gideon. And the people that are in the Magnolia camp, they're their friends, their co-workers, their associates, of all of us. I'm glad to have Stephen Atterbury. He's going to come and present a few things about what they've been doing this past uh, year, uh, what they've accomplished, what they've been doing with the money that we send them as well. So you uh, come and and present to us the good work that you're doing with the Gideons.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity to come and, and visit here. This morning, Um, Brister is known amongst our camp As being very faithful and giving And that's greatly appreciated Um, So I just want to share a little bit I know y'all had a lot of speakers in the past And you know a lot of the numbers um, that we do But I just want to begin and kind of share some testimonies The first one is just imagine yourself If you were to find a bunch of Bibles in the trash What would you think about that? For most of us, that'd be a pretty stunning thing And we'd feel like, wow, that's just a really horrible thing, but for a young seven-year-old boy in Mexico named Furman, it was something that would change his life because he had grown up in a broken home, him and his mom had lost their house, and someone just helped them put up some poles and some palm leaves to have somewhere to live, and now some people had witnessed to them from their local church, but they just didn't quite grasp everything, and his mom, because they didn't have anything, went to work in the city dump. And because they look for things to eat, they look for things that they can find and sell or anything that they could reuse themselves. And as she's digging through the city dump, she finds trash. But then in amongst all that trash, she finds Bibles that somebody had discarded, that the Gideons had given out. And she took it home and she and her son, Furman, sat out and read it. And Furman looked in the back pretty much every Gideon Bible, except the ones we give to the little kids in school, has the plan of salvation in the back. And... So he read that, and he realized, wow, I can be saved, and he got saved, and his mother ended up getting saved, and he grew up, and they just, how much it changed their lives, and he looks back, and he says, hey, the the Gideon, the Gideon ministry, he says, the New Testament that the Gideons put into my hands changed my life and my destiny forever, and that's, that is our goal, but our number one goal, you know, everybody says, well, the Gideons, what's your goal, And, and you know, it's Clearly, we want to get Bibles into hands, but why do we want to do that? We want people to have a personal relationship with Christ. There's no other good reason to do that, and that's what worked with Furman. Um, This past year, we gave out over 2,500 Bibles in Columbia and Lafayette County alone. We just, in the last month, gave out 1,000 Bibles on the opening day of SAU's campus, and that is a huge blessing to us. And so when I look at, like, what can, what can the church do to help us? Well, you know, one you already do. You do the Gideon card and, and offerings. And I know you're all going to put a plate up afterwards. And, and, and money does. It helps buy Bibles. And 100% of what you give goes to purchase Bibles. Because the Gideons ourselves, we have dues and we give contributions that help run the organization. So that every other penny that goes helps buy Bibles. Um, the other thing is is pray. You know, a thousand students out there got Bibles couple of, you know, in the last month. And we need to pray that God will, will help them find, you know, and help them open what they need. The other thing is, is we're always looking for more members. I know you said we have several members, but we're always looking for more members. So let me share a couple of other quick stories with you. There's a, there was a young man named Jim Boone who back in, in the 1970s, he grew up in a Methodist church in North Carolina. He always remembers his Sunday school teachers talking to him, but he never really understood what it meant to know Christ. And as he was going to college, there were Gideons giving out Bibles, and all his friends were like, man, don't go over there where they are. And he said, no, wait, I don't know what they're giving out, but I want this. Something tells me I need this. So he took the Bible, and he put it in his backpack. And Jim Boone, even though he grew up on the East Coast, he loved to surf, so he would backpack all the way to California with some other um, surfing guys out there, some lifeguards, and... They just he met up with them, and he, he's reading the Bible along the way, but he's realizing, you know, God really loves me, but he doesn't really realize a whole lot else about God that he needed him personally. But they go down into Mexico. They're 1,400 miles south of Arizona, and he gets an underwater camera after he's tired of s- surfing one day, and he goes out, and he says, I'm about 200 yards from shore, and all of a sudden I realize I'm surrounded by a school of feeding sharks. And he said, I realized I'm too far to make it back. And he says, two things ran through my mind. If I get bit by a shark, I'm probably going to die because even if I make it back to shore, I'll bleed to death before they can get me help. He said, the other thing I realized was is I probably won't go to heaven because even though I know about God, I don't know God personally. And so as he reached the shore and he had managed to not get harmed, he said, God, I realize I need you in my life, but he still wasn't quite sure what he needed to do. And he, But he knew back in North Carolina, he had a friend was a Christian. He said, I'm just going to get a bus tonight, and I'm going to start making my way back. Well, that very night, as he's traveling through Mexico, the Mexican army pulls them over, and he said, it's dark. They get him out, and he's like, I don't know where I'm going. He says, I think I'm going to jail, because you always hear about those things happening in deep Mexico, and he said, they pull out of his backpack this Bible, and they immediately go, put it back, let him go, and as he gets back on the bus, he realized, You know, just the presence of that Bible caused them to let me go. He says, I need to, he says, there's no way that I need to go any further. So when he gets to his hotel room that night, he prays and he reads and he he realizes, God, please forgive me of my sin and come into my heart. So he got saved right there at the spot. And as he gets back, um, he ends up leading his girlfriend to be saved. And actually, as of last year, so I assume they're still, if they're still living, they would have been married for 48 years since that time. One of my other favorite testimonies is the one I'm about to share, because this one really kind of hits home to our area, is a, a gentleman named Bruce Rudd, and he was from East Texas, and he worked a lot of contract work, and worked for a mechanical contractor, and traveled around the area. And a lot of us know people who do that, and that's what Bruce did. But he's, he refers to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. Bruce said, this was my life. It said, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And Bruce said, that's who I was because from a teenager I had begun to drink. I had, you know, my life consisted of going and, and hanging out with people who drunk. But he said he realized he needed more than that. He says, I've got a good job. But every time they'd go stay in a hotel, he would end up down in the lobby and just drinking with people. And, you know, we're in the bar. And he said, I reached the point where I was suicidal and I did not know what to do with my life. And he says, I'm in, he's in a hotel room in Corsicana, Texas. And he says, you know, he says, where am I headed? I'm heading down to the bar. But he says, as I'm walking out of the room, I reach over and I take the doorknob. And he said, it's like God spoke to me. And he realized, if I don't accept Christ tonight, it may never happen. I may never have that opportunity again. So he got to thinking, well, what do I need to do? He remembered. There's a Gideon Bible in the door of this hotel room. So he went over and he picked it up, and he began to read it. And he just began to read through the book of John. But he just couldn't quite grasp, and he says, I really couldn't quite understand. And he didn't realize that the plan of salvation was printed back in the back. So he thought, how do I know How do I know what I'm reading? How am I going to understand this? And he's like, I wish I could hear somebody preaching right now. So he flipped on TV, which I know TV doesn't always have the best preachers on it. But he happened to come across one that was very solid, And the preacher was quoting John 14, 6, which happened to be the very verse that he had just read, which, of course, is where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he realized at this moment, how in the world could this TV preacher be talking about the same exact verse that I was reading? And he realized God put that. God has put his word in these people in my life at this moment to help me realize he is the way, he is the life. And he sat down and he took... Accepted light, he accepted Christ into his life that night and surrendered his life to him. And he goes on to say that, you know, that verse that talked about, hey, all these people want to inherit the kingdom of God. But Paul goes on to write in the next verse, and he says, in verse 11, he says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit our God. And so he realized, wow, I've been saved Interesting thing that Bruce always, he says as he wrote his testimonies, he says, hey, you know, so I've done this. And he said, you know what I did? He says, I, I left my room and I went down to the bar. And he goes, everybody's like, wait a minute, you just got saved. But he says, I went down there this time to get a pot of coffee because I was so hungry for God's word. I went and got drank coffee all night and I read the Bible all night long. And he went and actually bought Bibles himself at a local store to give to his coworkers because he's like, hey, I've been saved and now I want to share that with others. So that's what we hope to do with the Gideons, so I appreciate your prayers, really thankful for your for your gifts that you've been able to give to us, and what a blessing they've been to us, because souls just like those I just mentioned are saved by the gifts that y'all give, so appreciate your time.
0: I'm thrilled to be a partner with the Gideon organization. After the service today, we'll have ushers at each uh, exit uh, with a offering plate, so you can give an offering for that. Somebody asked, could you give an offering later? If you're not prepared today, oh, I'm sure the Gideons will take offerings any day of the year, so we'll be sure and get that. Now, the uh, the standard operational procedure, usually, but I remember when uh, Brother Dorman used to come a long time ago, he'd say, well, I'll stand in the back with a Bible in my hand. They put that offering in there. Well, the two problems with that. Uh, first of all, I like the idea that maybe you're going to give so much the open Bible wouldn't hold all of it. That'd be good, but, uh, but the, uh, the thing is we've got two exits. You'd have to bring two Gideon, so I'm posting up a, 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 an usher with a plate at both exits simply because when we get through here, we bolt out of here in both exits, so we don't just go out of one. They've had enough of me after a little bit of time. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Yes, I am going to preach, but I am aware of the fact that uh, uh, our Gideon speaker has uh, spoken to us, so I'm going to give us a little wrap-up, kind of put an exclamation point on what we've heard, and I love these testimonies. I love what they're doing. Uh, This is the Gideons International. Not only are they uh, present locally, but they do a lot of work uh, globally uh, to put Bibles in the hands of people everywhere, and that's important. The letter to the Corinthians was written uh, less than four years after Paul arrived at Corinth. And we looked at that a little last week. Uh, uh, Corinth was a busy trade town. It had a uh, north-south trade route. It had an east-west trade route. It was really situated on a peninsula between two busy ports. World trade went through there. But, of course, we understand that it was also a very corrupt town. Uh, Rome was not known to be... uh, a good representative of high morals. The Roman Empire was very bankrupt morally. Corinth was the worst of the worst. Even the Romans had a, a term. To be Corinthianized meant that you had sunk to the lowest level of sleazy. I mean, Corinth was sin city. and That's where Paul landed. Now, Paul wrote this letter less than four years after the day he arrived wrote it from Ephesus and the letter gives us an idea after uh, four years after his first day in town how's the church doing how's the church doing over there in Corinth where he left it uh, just a couple of years before and that's what we see in first Corinthians chapter one verse one would you stand as the scriptures read please first Corinthians chapter one verse one Paul "...called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be to you, and peace from God and our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus." that you are enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, Our Lord, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the report that we have here of the church at Corinth. How this church is doing after just a few years, after the exit of the Apostle Paul, we ask that we would see the main points of what you want us to be and what we could be in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. To several things we notice in this passage of Scripture. How's Corinth doing? How's this church doing in the sleaziest town, the darkest moral town in the Roman Empire? Well, first of all, we see this is a church with notable spiritual gifts. In verse 5, he says, You were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and knowledge. Now, the word rich means they abounded in these two things. Utterance means the ability to communicate their faith. Not only could they communicate their faith, but they were active in communicating their faith. Sometimes the question is not that we could do something. The question is, would we do something, right? And so they were enriched, obviously enriched, in the matters of communicating their faith. And in all knowledge, they understood the message of God. They understood the purpose of the church. They understood their reason for being in that town. They had an enrichment of knowledge, which meant they were knowledgeable about who they were, what they were, why they were here, and they were knowledgeable about the message that they were to share. They did not fall short of any of the other spiritual gifts. In verse 7, you come short in no gift. Wow. We're not just talking about the ability to communicate or the knowledge of the word, but they had an abundance of all the spirit. He said, you're not coming short of any of the spiritual gifts. Now, about a page back from where you are in Romans chapter 12, Paul gives us kind of a representative list of spiritual gifts just so you know kind of what we're talking about here when he says this in romans chapter 12 verse 6 having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us let us use them did you catch that having gifts we have gifts let us use them and we go a little further If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. This is not foretelling the future, but foretelling the word of God. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. And I've mentioned that passage of scripture, that word ministry means practical acts of service. If we have the gift of a practical act of service, use that gift, is what he said. Or he who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts or encourages with exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. That is just a partial list. We have, of course, preaching the word, teaching the word, practical acts of service, giving, and leadership. They excelled at all of them, but it gets even better. You know what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, concerning the gifts of the Spirit. He said this The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, longsuffering, suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generous self control. So we understand these people had it all. They were not short of anything. So we realize they were a church with notable spiritual gifts. Secondly, they were a church with a recognizable witness. In verse 6, even as the testimony, this word testimony means witness. The witness of Christ was confirmed in you. Now, the word confirmed has a couple of meanings. We're going to look at both of them uh, this morning. The First of all, the word confirmed is a legal term that an action was confirmed with a title deed. In other words, a purchase of a of a piece of property was confirmed or established or documented as real and authentic with a title deed. He said, your testimony, your witness is confirmed. The testimony of Jesus Christ is confirmed in you. Well, what does that mean? Established, documented. It means this. There was a recognizable difference between their lives and the conduct of the town. There was recognizable difference in the way they behaved and the way the town behaved. And what they believed was right and what the town believed is right. What they called acceptable and what the town called acceptable. There was a remarkable difference. Their behavior validated the message of Jesus Christ did not contradict the message of Jesus Christ. That's what it meant when he said the witness was confirmed in them. The witness of Jesus Christ was confirmed. Their lives, their testimony validated the message of God's word. Did not contradict God's word. You know the, the excuse that people give. Well, I'm not going to church because of all of those Hypocrites. Well, that's exactly what Paul was saying was not happening at Corinth. He said, the testimony is confirmed in you. And then thirdly, here was a church with an unshakable trust. He said this, you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Eagerly waiting for, when he talked about the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, talking about him coming again, coming again. They were waiting, which means they were looking for it. They were looking for it because they trusted his promise. And his promise is still I am coming again. And here was a church that was looking for the coming because they were waiting for the coming because they believed in the coming. They trusted the promises of Christ. And in the middle of all this is a promise worth repeating. So that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ who will also confirm you to the end. Now, there's that word confirm. Now, we said it means to establish or document, but one Greek scholar said it this way. The word confirm can be brought down to everyday language. He will keep you strong to the end. I need that. Don't you? I need that. I need to be kept strong to the end. So we realize Here's a church that had notable spiritual gifts. I mean, they they could do things and they would do things. They were using their spiritual gifts. Here's a church with a recognizable witness. In the darkest moral bankrupt city of the Roman Empire, they were maintaining a positive witness that validated the word of God and validated the message of Christ. Here's a church with an unshakable trust an unshakable strong trust that Jesus is coming, better be ready. How could all of this happen in just a couple of years? You know how long it takes for some Christians to finally get with it and grow up in Christ? A long time. Here was an entire church. Paul had been gone only a couple of years. We can look at the events of the book of Acts and look at when he wrote the letter to the Corinthians. He had not been gone too long at all. How did the church get to this point? Well, we go back to the first days of when he was there. In Acts chapter 18, verse 1. We read this passage of scripture last week. I want to zero in on just two verses. Verse 1 kind of tells us where it all started. Acts chapter 18, verse 1. Acts chapter 18, verse 1, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. The next several verses mention some details about what he did, but verse 11 gives us a summary of the work of the apostle Paul. He continued there a year and six months, watch this, teaching the word of God among them. What he do for, for a, year, a year and a half, 18 months, he stayed there, and he stayed there teaching the Word of God. Now, what he taught to the Corinthians, not what they had heard all their lives, because the Word of God teaches us there's some things, the way people act and the way people behave that's quite acceptable and celebrated in some cultures that's totally contradictory to the Word of God. The people at Corinth recognized a lot of different idols, a lot of different gods. Does anybody can get to heaven? It's just a matter of what road you choose. And the gospel said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There is no other name above heaven whereby you must be saved. So we realized everything he taught was contradictory to what they had learned as Corinthians. But he continued there a year and a half, faithfully teaching the word knowing that in some circles in town it was unpopular. Some circles in town it was disliked. And these people would have to be confronted with their own mistakes when they were confronted with the Word of God, and that could be quite uncomfortable. Paul faithfully did it anyway, and he faithfully taught the Word of God. And when a church is faithfully taught the Word of God, it becomes a church that is enriched in spiritual gifts and comes short in nothing. When we are faithful to teach the Word of God, then we become something for Jesus Christ. When we are faithful to teach the Word of God and the church has a priority on the Word of God, our witness will reflect the Word of God and not contradict the Word of God. When we are faithful to teach the Word of God, we become strong because the Word of God strengthens us because faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by the Word, and faith keeps us strong. But faith is increased by the word of God. So you see where it all ties in? The church became something. A powerhouse where a powerhouse was needed. And God can do that with any church anywhere. But how did it happen? It happened when priority was placed on the word of God. Why is that important? Because that is why we're here. Past the scripture, and this is where we'll close. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth of the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having then been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, all the glory of man is the flower of grass, the grass withers, the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And look at what he says to wrap it all up. This is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. Everything else people pursue temporary. He said, but the word is permanent. And he said, this is the word by which the gospel is preached to you, which tells us this. If we lose priority of the word, then we've lost priority of the gospel. And if we lose priority of the gospel, why are we here? That's the whole purpose we're here, is to be a witness for Jesus Christ. How does a church become a powerhouse, a shining light in a dark world. This right here, this is the word. And the word is through which the gospel is preached. We prepare for an invitation hymn. him. Don't know where you are. If you're not saved, the message has never changed. The message has never changed that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. I can't put it any simpler. Jesus said, "I'm the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me." I can't elaborate that. Made it any simpler? Now, Paper, you here? You are saved. Been saved a long time. Took care of that a long time ago. Let's ask ourselves a hard question: Is our lifestyle, our witness, validating the message of the church, or are we contradicting it? I have to answer for myself. You have to answer for yourself. Let us make sure that if there's a synopsis given of Bristol Baptist Church of what. God has made us into, we could have a similar report as Paul said about the Corinthians. As we stand and see, one number.